Welcome back, Emmy Brainiacs, to the podcast talking about book two, Selve, chapter one. Does the second book feel any different to you so far? Techrific said, hmm, ah, uh, too early to tell. It feels more of the same. The reappearance of A.E. slash George William Russell was a welcome one. He f- seems like a character it would be interesting to get to know more about. <clears throat> more about, excuse me. But one. But only time will tell. Swim says, George so far isn't snarky about A.E. Favourite line during George's long-winded speechifying. A.E. took out his watch and said he must be getting back to the office. TLDR. George is apparently abandoning London and moving to Dublin for two reasons. His living arrangements have become untenable and because of his disgust with English concern for Boer War. While looking for a place in Dublin, it seems George's income is not as robust as it once was. Alas, AU finds him accommodation he can tolerate at a price he finds tolerable. His association with the Gaelic League is uneasy because I believe he dislikes most everyone associated with it. I'm betting it will get worse. I actually sympathise with him on this. I always, uh, sorry, I also do not do well in leagues or clubs of most kinds. George persuades his mistress Stella to come with him at least for a while. Hey, well, this club you are an integral member of, Swim. So, I beg to differ. I understand the sentiment. I always feel like any club that I join eventually sort of, I don't know, weeds me back out of it again. (laughs) Um, Which is a very pessimistic thing to say. But I know that feeling. Um, I think there's a Hemingway quote, something like, um, I wouldn't want to be part of any club that would have me as a member. Something like that. Might not be Hemingway. I don't remember the... Wouldn't... Groucho Marx then. <laughs> okay. It's a Groucho Marx. I wouldn't want to belong to a club that would have me as a member. Okay. Well, I got that wrong. Well, I mean, the, the quote was right, but it definitely wasn't Hemingway. Anywho, let's go to book two, chapter two. All right. Yeah. Um, and just fang it. I'm going to fang it today. Here we go. <gasps> A description of a furniture removal would have appealed to my aesthetic sense 20 years ago, and my style of medan thread was strong enough to capture packers and their burdens, but the net that I cast now is woven of fine silk for the capture of dreams, memories, hopes, aspirations, sorrows, with here and there a secret shame. So I will say no more than that I was out of the house one morning early, lest I should see a man seize the coal scuttle and walk away with it, and on returning home that night I found that everything in the drawing room and the dining room and the spare room and the anteroom had been taken away, only the bedroom remained intact, and I wandered, wandered around the shell that I had lived in so long, pondering on the strange fact that my life in Victoria Street was no more than a dream, and with no more reality in it, I added, than the dream that I shall dream here tonight. Jane, this is the last time you'll call me, for I'm going away by the mail half at half past eight from Euston. Your life is all pleasure and glory, but I shall have to look round for another place, I heard her say, as she pulled at the straps of my portmanteau, and her resentment against me increased when I put a sovereign into her hand. She cooked me excellent dinners. 
making life infinitely agreeable to me. A present of five pounds was certainly her due, and a sovereign was more than enough for the porter, whom I suspected of poisoning my cat, a large, grey, and affectionate animal upon whom Jane, without the aid of a doctor, had impressed the, the virtue of chastity so successfully that he never sought the, the she, but remained at home. A quiet, sober animal that did not drink milk, only water, and who, when thrown up to the ceiling, refrained from turning round, content to curl himself into a ball. Convinced that my hands would receive him, an animal to whom I was so much attached that I had decided to bring him with me in a basket. But a few weeks before my departure, he died of a stoppage in the entrails, brought about probably by a morsel of sponge fried in grease, a detestable and cruel way of poisoning cats often practised by porters. Err... Uh, it was pitiful to watch the poor animal go to his pan and try to relieve himself, but he never succeeded in passing anything, and after the third day refused to try any more. We had recourse to do a dose of castor oil, but it did not move him, and after consultation we resolved to give an enema if he would allow us. The poor animal allowed us to do our will. He seemed to know what we were trying to help him, and received my caresses and my words with kindly looks while Jane administered the enema saying that she didn't mind if the whole courtyard saw her do it, all she cared was for saving Jim's life. But the enema did not help, and after it he neither ate nor drank, but lay down stoically to die. Death did not come to him for a long while. It seemed as if he would never drop off, and at last, unable to bear the sight of his sufferings any longer, Jane held his head in a pail of water, and after a few gasps the trial of life was over. It may have been that he died of the fur that he licked away, collecting in a ball in his entrails, and that there is no cause for me to regret the sovereign given to the porter when the great van drove up to my door to take away the bedroom and kitchen furniture. Everything except my personal luggage was going to Ireland by a small coasting steamer, which would not arrive for three weeks. <clears throat> Uh, and my hope was that the house in Upper Ellie Place would then be ready to receive my furniture, but next morning only one workman could be discovered in my new house, and he, lazily sweeping. The builder was rung up on the telephone. He promised many things. Three weeks passed away. The furniture arrived, but the vans had, got, had to go away again. Communications were received from the firm who removed my furniture, demanding the return of my vans, and it was not until a fortnight later that my or Busan carpet was unrolled in the drawing room one afternoon in A.E.'s presence, the purple architecture and the bunches of roses shocking him so much that I think he was on the point of asking me to burn my carpet. It affected him so much that it was with difficulty I persuaded him to withdraw his eyes from it and look at the pictures. I would conceal the fact that if I dared, but a desire of truth compels me to record that when he first saw Manet's portrait it seemed to him commonplace even uncouth i asked him if the beautiful gray of the black of the background were not in harmony with the exquisite gray of the dress and if the paint were not split spilt upon the canvas like cream and if the suffused color in a tea rose were more beautiful oh more well if you will not admire the beauty of manet's paint admire it morality its morality how winningly it whispers being not ashamed of anything but to be ashamed. And I chose this mauve wallpaper, for upon it this grey portrait will be triumphant. 
the other Manet is but a sketch, and the casual critic only sees that she is cockeyed, the whiteness of her shoulders escapes him, and the pink of her breasts blossoms. Manet's pink, almost a white, I remember a peony. I'll turn the picture a little more to the light. Now, I beseech you to look upon it. No, it doesn't please you. Well, look at my Monet instead. A flooded meadow and the willows evanescent in the mist. Compared with Monet, Constable's vision is a journeyman's, and he is by no means seen at his worst in that little picture. But look again at the willows and tell me if the Impressionists did not bring a delicacy of vision into art undreamt of before. In their pictures, the world is young again. Look at this charming girl by birth, Morisot, and tell me, was a girl ever so young before? An April girl, hyacinth-coloured dress and daffodil hair. A.E. liked better birth Morisot's picture of her little daughter coming to see the maid, who was sewing under a dovecot. She has caught the mystery of the child's wandering eyes. We call it mystery, he added, but it is merely stupidity. People often say things that are not in the least like them. Therefore, criticism will reprove me for recording words that A.E. may have uttered, but which are admittedly not like him. Ah, he is my condor. Condor, you can't but like the pictures of Brighton, the blue sea breaking into foam so cheerfully. A happy lady looks from her balcony at the other happy ladies walking in sunshine. The optimism of optimism of painting a ye side. You don't like it? Here is a Mark Fisher, women singing under trees, the land of the wine and song, he calls it. And if you look through the trees, you'll see an estuary and a town in long perspective, Dying in the distance, like my Mark Fisher, e. why do you hesitate? I do like it, but... But what? It is a landscape in some small world, a third the size of our world. I know what is the matter with you, e. you're longing for what's. You try to disguise it, but you are sighing for time treading on the big toe of eternity, or death bridging chaos, the triumph of purgatory over heaven. Admit... No, he, I'll admit nothing, except that he painted a heron rather well and then dropped into 16th century treacle. Impressionism is a new melodic invention, invisible to you at the present. One of these days you'll see it, but there's no use talking about painting. Come into the garden. I'm expecting a lady. She will join us there, and if you'll talk, if you'll take her out among the hills, she'll show you how to draw around bush brush from one side of the canvas to the other without letting it turn around in the middle, leaving a delicious ridge of paint with a lot of little waggles. But little waggles, my dear Moore, are not. A.E., we've talked enough about painting for one afternoon. Come into the garden. A.E. took out his watch. It was nearly three. He must be getting back to his office, but would I tell the lady that he'd be glad to go out painting with her any Sunday morning? Um, all right, pause, pausing there, a bit of a short read, but I'm very, very tired after a long week. All right, folks, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye.